0: This is the one with Diagon Alley. A
1: pain in the neck of a countdown. A short back and sides. It's a trap street. (laughs) And it turns out
2: smoking is really bad for your health. It's called Face the Raven.
0: Here we we go. go. Whistle on our epic phrase.
2: All through time and all through space. Whistler, beam, and
1: angels now.
0: Darling, cyber, zood, and wow! Counting Sonic's rating air. From the poor to the sublime.
1: Echoes and terrific Let's agree, it's about time. Who
0: back when? Reviewing on you, who there is. Who back when? Then subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond.
1: Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this to see what other choice could there be but who
0: back when?
1: Who back when? when?
0: holy moly hello out there people in podcast land you are listening once again to another episode of who back when a doctor who podcast
1: or doc your doc <laughs>
0: Oh, oh. Doc passed in Didi. Ah, the uh, astute amongst you might have realised that this voice here is Jim, not often heard on the New Who channel. And it, the first voice you heard other than mine was from a chap who on my screen is displaying a very, very nice p- plumage. Why, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Drew
2: McGwen. <laughs> yes, it's me, Peacocking Interview. Hi, Podcast Land. <laughs>
0: And chuckling away in the background, as always, is Leon. Hello, Leon. Hello, Jim. Hello, Drew. Hello, Podcast Land.
2: Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon.
0: Well, that's all the people involved, but what the hell are we talking about? We are talking about N127, Face the Raven. Whoa. Oh, wow. So, before Drew gets in with his negativity, I super <laughs> love this. <laughs> I super love this as well. <laughs> I'm
1: so happy that Drew didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We started the podcast a bit late tonight because Leon had to pull himself together. He had to go buy an extra pack of tissues or something. <laughs> something along those lines, yeah. Floods of tears, a deluge trickling down our WhatsApp channel.
1: I watched this last night. I was crying like a child. This really got to me, this
0: episode. And so it should do. It's bloody heartfelt, impactful. Blah, Absolutely. Blah, blah, all this praise of <laughs> drama. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've never seen such melodramatic over the top Tosh.
0: <laughs> oh okay, I'm gonna okay. love this. <laughs> Let's all step back to our corners. And...
1: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sound the yeah. bell. Ding ding. <laughs> okay. Right. That was just well, the no, way we're really gonna get stuck in.
0: Now we need a little quick commercial break that introduces everything about this episode. <laughs> Some kind of fight. Like, so it's a chunk of who, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> Excellent idea. Time for us to synopsize, clarify, and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew, and, and listen day. to this overview. Yeah. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who?
0: who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Clara has been amazing. Saved the Doctor from having to marry a giant plant thing and made a mysterious decision. Basically perfected the whole companion role. She's royally bossing it when she gets a call from a concerned Rixie who's been lumbered with an unwanted countdown tattoo.
1: Our old young friend Local Knowledge has moved to London and become a family man but rather too trustingly obeyed an anonymous text summons at 6am to a decidedly unremarkable part of a London street which he somehow found immediately because how could he have failed to recognise it at his
2: feet falls a Janus who looked human even outside the trap streets without the lurkworms shedding their perception filtering light only the Janus's Zaphod Beeblebrock's daughter disguised as a son to stop the whole street adoring her like her mother Bucket, this makes zero sense but I'm sure it'll all work out fine
1: <laughs> <laughs> please go over
2: you are welcome
0: you are welcome <laughs> <laughs> And maybe people in podcast land might put a little guess together on who uh, contributed that B Scout.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well done, Drew, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not fooling me. I made sense of it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I suppose in a way that can be the opening question. Do any of those points I've raised as criticisms in the b scout fail to stand up? Have I misunderstood? Or or is that just a neat summation of a lot of the bollocks?
1: I mean, I picked up on some of that bullshit plot points, but... I had actually not even think- thought about the lurkworm perception filter not working outside of this street. Why wouldn't it? Would it not like right outside of the whatever?
2: Uh, because it's the same field that works as a well perception filter that stops people seeing that a street. the street there at all.
1: Exactly. Yeah, because otherwise you would be able to see the street, but the second you go into the street, you don't see. It. Like I feel like that works.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is cloaked. And you have to be distracted or or something to know it's there.
1: In fact, wait, hang on. Maybe she doesn't look human. Maybe she does look like a Janus, but she's lying on her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's got a nosebleed. <laughs> exactly. it's all the blood there. <laughs> yeah, actually makes perfect sense. Oh, you can't ruin this episode for me. However, you were 100% right about Rigsy going to this place at 6am. W- why would he? Why didn't he just go, a uh, wrong number, mate? <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I suppose they could have put a geotag or something that he just follows his phone there, um, so that he isn't just standing outside the most nondescript part of Wall in London, going, "This is definitely it. It, it couldn't be any other."
1: Well, presumably- I think
0: I say I, I think is left conveniently vague that I don't actually care. He had a phone call at six o'clock in the morning. We don't know the contents of that phone call. It was enough to get him there. That's all you need to know. And when yeah. he's there, he's because I. I don't know if if I'm getting the impression, Drew. You thought she was killed outside the alley, where I assumed maybe she's killed just inside, and that was enough for him to kind of like glance in and like he sees through the perception field and runs in. There's a dead body, and then he's found. You know. Yeah, but she wasn't
2: even killed, so she would have had to be prepared, or or the fake killing would have had to be staged. But I suppose that. That's not so the difficult, rest, the rest is it? what you're saying still stands up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's vague enough. There's not enough to tell me there's fault with it. It's just you have to leave a little bit of fuzz around the edges to say, oh, I didn't really paint the full picture.
1: I think a reasonable assumption to make here is that she called... it uh, What's her face? Ishilda, me, called Rigsy and went, hey... I am also a friend of the Doctor's. You have to be outside this Café Nero or, you know, step outside the Costa on that particular street at exactly this time. You have to be there. He goes there and she just, I mean, she, you know, fires a phaser or whatever at her two-headed friend or two-faced friend. Boom that's not
2: where they are though they show clara outside the costa or the cafe nero going bingo this is exactly where it is and because clara does loads of sleuthing and clevering in this episode you think ah of course clara's found it they'll somehow walk into the middle of this restaurant and not be in london anymore but that's they don't go back there she doesn't say come back this way they just go and find somewhere new, near a road sign.
1: Well, maybe there are two different ends to this street. It oh, doesn't yeah, have probably. to be a cul-de-sac. It could be, you know, it's it's uh, yeah, yeah. Has a... Yeah, and, there are, and multiple,
2: there are multiple splodges on the map. There are four or five on the perception filter map that mm. they create using the TARDIS and the uh, glasses. So maybe she's just found a different one.
1: Mm.
0: Absolutely. When they're stood at the corner, she says, like, it's off this street. I think they've just sort of sensed there is something around here that's messing with our perception. Mm-hmm. So, I- yeah.
1: Also, not necessarily the dumbest thing about this perception filter that occurs in this episode. (laughs) I feel like they they committed far grander cardinal sins <laughs> using these, well, what were they called again, the lurkworms? Yep. Yeah, They're said to show everyone what they expect to see. But does that not mean that the second you know the truth, you expect to see the truth, and consequently you see the truth? Yes. How, you, how is it only if someone nudges you, like nudges your elbow, only then when you look around, everything is unexpected. That's not how perception works. When you walk down a regular street in the regular world never mind an alien back alley but like in in the life where okay here's an exercise wherever you are you're in a room in berlin you're flaunting your peacock feathers you are somewhere listening to this podcast nudge the person next to you and ask them to look around and see if they are completely perplexed by you know their presence in that room (laughs) that's not how it works that's dumb
0: I took it to be more that if you're walking along a street, you put your head down, or you're not paying a lot of attention, that bloke could have been wearing a red jacket, it could have been a green jacket, you have no idea whatsoever. The jacket wearer nudges you and you suddenly look up and go, oh, a guy in a red jacket just nudged me. like yeah. Suddenly you, you pay attention.
1: When Capaldi finally gets to see a Cyberman, why when he knows that the thing is tricking him into seeing humans and he realizes, oh, these aren't humans, you know what, I'm going to expect there to not be humans around. Why is like, why does everyone, why are the aliens masquerading as humans to each other when they are all aliens, they are all aware of the fact that they are all aliens, they are expecting to see other aliens, and they're in a street where no humans can possibly see them.
2: Yeah, and they seem extremely hostile to humans as that guy with the glasses constantly yeah. is there are two points to that scene one is that in a way it sort of proves itself correct in the fact that both jim and i thought that the, the ood was giving the cyberman a haircut because mm. we didn't look closely enough to see that he was actually bandaging his head up so th- there's some sort of point there about your perception isn't really correct and you expect to see this but that's not what's happening but my bigger point is the Doctor has all the alien experience you could possibly want. His expectations are practically limitless, so he should be seeing everything for what it is anyway, lurkworms or no. Absolutely, they should be making yes, no
1: difference to him. A hundred percent agree.
0: Yeah. I, still still I feel like, like that's probably, <laughs> probably fair. But I don't know if we've fully like given enough information about what the, the lurkworms are really doing. Like, whether they are sensing all the minds around them, so there's hundreds of humans which is why the expectation is that everyone looks human or if there is a, like a perception that everyone has that the easiest way for all these different species to get along some of which are quite violent we know there are Cybermen there and uh, uh potato people <laughs> well, <it's laughs> <awesome. some tyrants. laughs> yeah like if they just saw each other as they are all the time it'd be that much harder to like, keep the truth as it were
1: can you imagine mm. how difficult it is to bandage up someone or give someone a haircut if you don't see their head. Uh, you just feel their
2: <laughs> cranium. You're just working on muscle memory <laughs> in your hands at that point. It's like playing a, t- a guitar. You don't have to look. In fact, it's better if you don't. If you look at yourself while you're playing a guitar, you slow your fingers down. Yeah. So that so, surgeon is like a
1: genius. Okay, so now imagine you're playing a guitar, but, w- but what you look at is a violin. <laughs> <laughs> or it looks to you yeah. like you're playing the piano, but actually you're playing the guitar. Wouldn't that be super duper confusing? Like it is a miracle that this side man doesn't get decapitated
0: the one that flashes into the Sontaran actually was quite a juxtaposition because obviously a mm. human human head is about half the width of the Sontaran head. yeah and, and it's like if someone taller. goes to like yeah goes to like I don't know give him a little slap on the cheek or something does, does their hand stop about four inches from his actual face oh my goodness yes absolutely
2: <laughs> I didn't think about that someone goes in for a kiss and breaks their nose <laughs> Second broken nose this episode. My problem with the sontaran as Leon said, the guy's way taller than a sontaran Really, the Santaran should have appeared at chest height and just had the top half of the guy erased for it to be realistic. And also, it's at the wrong angle. It's it's just pasted in really lazily, like a Vindex. Oi, signifying. there's the nothing sontaran-
1: lazy about the uh, <laughs> about the Vindex. I'll have you know, it takes me a lot of time to maintain. <laughs> Yes,
2: we'll come back to the Vindex. Yeah, I didn't mean to say that the Vindex was lazy. I just meant to say that they have taken a Vindex-like shot, and no matter how the actor is standing, they have put it on without manipulating it in any way.
1: Yeah, okay, fair. Looking at the amount of Vindex icons that I need to add for this, by the way, which is, uh, I'm really looking forward to that, it did dawn dawn on me, it it alerted me to the fact that I need to add a Vindex icon for the Rings of a Carlton as well because there's an alien that appears in both episodes. Anyway, I was going to say something else about the perception filter, and that is, why does the perception filter, or the, you know, the, whatever, lurkworm perception thingy, not affect the view of the Janus? Why does everyone look like a human and occasionally glitch into their alien self, except for the Janus, who is just always a Janus?
0: Yeah, that's... That's a very good point. <laughs>
2: so that they can be spotted as a plot point, which is what yeah. they should have called them. Not Janus. <laughs> ah, you're a plot point. You're probably significant in some way. We'll follow you around.
1: I think it's incredible that we haven't had an alien named Janus with two faces already on Doctor Who. That seems like such a really shit, low-budget alien to introduce maybe around the second or third Doctor's run. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe seventh seventh Doctor when the budget is really low.
0: <laughs> you're not helping, Leon.
1: <laughs> I don't care. I've already written a rating for this episode, and okay, maybe it's lowered by 0.1 <laughs> so far. Yeah, don't get me wrong.
2: Th- these points, these quibbles, these nitpicks, and I'm sorry to have opened the episode with them, Podcast Land, and to a lesser extent, Jim and Leon, because you're inured to it by this point. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't why I don't like the episode in parts. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And I think you can probably guess what it is. I would like to return to the Vindex for now because oh, yes. there is someone who appears very prominently in the Vindex who reappears
1: in this episode. Who appears prominently in the Vindex?
2: Yes. He's been front and center on the Who Back When website, presenting the Vindex, in essence, for many years.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, I don't switch them up very often.
2: (laughs) Simon Paisley Day plays Mr. Rump. He previously played the steward in The End of the World. I'm I'm just
1: loading up uh, whobackwhen.com. The steward in End of the World? Yes,
2: the blue guy. The blue guy with the really striking face and features.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at uh, when. Where's where's the steward? He's not on the homepage. As I
2: said, he was there for many years. Okay. He's (laughs) a (laughs) Crest. if you look for the chris Ballian, that's the same guy
1: yeah yeah that's true yeah i, I made a note about him because he looked super duper uh, uh, familiar to me i, I wrote i recognize the tall guard dude rump and, <laughs> and i first assumed <laughs> i just wrote oxcon question mark because he seemed like the kind of guy of the you know the qu- the caliber of celebrity who might have showed up at, at oxcon uh but no <laughs> He's in a Star Wars movie, though. Oh. Yeah, Star Wars Episode Nine.
2: Yes, he appeared in that with Naomi Aki, who played Jen in this episode. Which one's Jen? Jen is just one of the people who says, oh... Anna, she's she's the best. She's really nice. She can see into your past. And
1: oh, right. Okay.
2: So you feel like you've known her forever, that that woman. She okay. Just in,
1: just online. But yeah. Ooh, can I follow a... up with... Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Go for it. No, no. Go for it. Go for it.
2: I was going to follow up with Simon Paisley Day. He's also appeared in Victoria with Jenna Coleman.
1: Oh. He's been, the... yeah, on. Uh, he's been in... Yeah. Uh, go on. He's been in... What's it called? With Capaldi.
2: The Musketeers.
1: Bingo. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, he was in an episode of Sherlock, but this is a question for Jim. Jim, this man's very first IMDb credit is his Commander Randy Navarro.
0: Ah, uh, that's why I recognise him. <laughs> from from, I think you can guess this, Leon. Is a red dwarf. Yes. <laughs> well done. In the hollow ship.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's a true fan speaking there.
1: Oh, very nicely done. <laughs>
0: Well, I didn't. Know, I didn't know who he was. So that's not really a fan, is it? Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't know. Here's it's to Jim. A lot, anyway. lot of
0: theatre. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, chin, chin, Drew. Let's. Here's to Jim. <laughs> Jim, take a bow and then yeah. take a swig.
0: <laughs> Jesus, that was in '92. He did that.
2: Hasn't aged a day.
0: <laughs> yeah, not at all. Well, while we're talking about people who have gone on and done famous things, are we going to mention Letitia Wright at all? Uh, is that the Janus kid? Yeah.
2: Yes. Who... Holy mo-
0: Is now a Marvel superhero? Not not the first, obviously, from Doctor Who to go on to the Marvel stuff. Oh, yeah, good point. Yes, that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She was uh, Shuri. Is that the name of the character in Black Panther? I keep hearing rumors about this, but I keep hearing uh, wherever I go, I hear rumors about Black Panther. I I remember a rumor (laughs) about her, in fact, being the next Black Panther.
2: Oh, to replace Chadwick Boseman. Yeah why not
1: by the way by the way she was the best part of Black Panther for me she it was, was awesome, fantastic yeah. in her absolutely fantastic.
0: The uh, Black Mirror episode she's in as well is very good.
1: Oh, I don't think I've seen that. She's also in the current Small Axe. Uh, She's in at least one installment of Small Axe. And uh, she's going to be in the remake of, or the remake, the next version of uh, Death on the Nile. Which is super duper weird because I read that trivia after having watched the Peter Ustinov version of Death on the Nile randomly last night.
2: Well, and she's also left Twitter because she's a COVID vaccine skeptic. But you can't win them all. Oh oh,
1: bloody hell! Really? Oh,
2: I mean, maybe maybe she'll learn something offline, get a jab, come back on, say, you know what, I was an idiot, and we can all move on.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see.
2: While we're running through the names of the episode, I should say that this was written by Sarah Dollard, Mm -hmm. whose career began in Australia. I think she's Australian. She used to write for Neighbours, then she moved to the UK, where she wrote for Being Human with Toby Witt. House. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> then, then Merlin. Then she script edited two series of Primeval, so she's had a fair bit of experience with fantasy and sci-fi, and she will yeah. return in series ten to write Thin Ice for Capaldi and Bill.
1: Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, it's the fair on the Thames, isn't it? And there's a creature under the ice. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's Back a good to one. The last Thames
2: Ice Fair again. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. And uh, I. I don't have any trivia about Joyven Wade, who played Rigsy because we covered him before. Apart from to say he's now in Doom Patrol with Brendan Fraser. What I wanted to say about Joyven Wade is I think he does really well in this episode. I think his acting is pretty unimpeachable hmm. he, de- he doesn't have a sh- a, see- a show stealing role but when he's told you're about to die he looks like that's just happened yeah like i can't yeah, think his was, reactions
0: yeah that was really good i liked it um his reaction where he just touches the phone and he gets a flashback like it's a really cheesy thing but actually his portrayal pulled it off as well and i think the way they edited it worked well as well
2: hmm. and when he's being scanned and they're talking about we can give you your extremities in a small bag to take home if you move and he can't move (laughs) he's got just the right amount of terror on his face then as well. I, I found that funny because of him. That could have, again, been cheesy as balls.
1: He's also and... very good at conveying the unknown shame that he is made to feel. Sort of, you know, the, the unjustified shame that he's made to feel when he enters Diagon Alley and everyone's calling him a murderer. And he's, he seems genuinely, not embarrassed, he seems ashamed to be there because everyone clearly resents him for some reason. But he has no idea why or if it's justified or so on and so forth. He's very good at that. However, he is... And this is nothing about the actor, but he is. His role, Riggsy's role in this episode, is written to almost constantly be, like, in the process of being taken by surprise. I challenge you to find any frame of Riggsy where he doesn't just stand there with his mouth agape, just like. (sighs) You know, just and constant, eye's wide. Yeah, constantly surprised, constantly shocked. There's never a... He never gets a chance to... Which is a, a bummer, because he's a return character. He never gets a chance to fully deduce something. He doesn't add anything actively to the furthering of this this plot, or the solution of the mystery, or... You know, you know there's... He's perpetually ancillary. He
2: deduces something about his baby, although that's when he's tricking his uh, partner or wife or whatever he's got. Um, saying, yeah, the baby's uh, probably upset because uh, she can sense you're anxious or something. Not because there's, not because my brilliant baby has this weird telepathic link but, <laughs> that somehow she knows I'm about to die, which is almost made to seem the more likely option.
0: I didn't get that at all. I, 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 I don't didn't get, that, get that, that. He he was trying to end the conversation, if anything.
2: Yeah, but he he wasn't bug-eyed when he was doing it.
1: I'm almost certain that if we were to look up that scene, he probably was. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll tell you why, it is. it's because the the Lurkworm's lighting is so dim He has to be bug-eyed to see anything that's going on
1: I, I, In my notes I've just said, I wish Rigsy closed his mouth sometime He looks like the male Kristen Stewart That is his look I'll include 7 to 15 screenshots of where <laughs> <laughs> with his mouth agape
2: <laughs> In a row, from every
1: angle <laughs> be brilliant for anyone who's doing a deep fake of rigsy just you know scroll through this page anyway yeah (laughs) aside from that yeah he was great what do you think happens to him after this does he lose his memory does he is he allowed to retain his memory Uh,
2: well he definitely doesn't lose his memory because he goes out of the street finds the tardis and creates a Artistic tribute to Clara. Oh, that's
1: true. Yes, that's very true. Wait, wait, so hang on. What happens to Clara? What happens to her body? Because. I
0: I had think a... that's the next story one.
1: Right, okay, so, okay, then then I do, mayb- maybe I do remember this correctly, because last night I was just thinking, like, wait, hang on, I know that she dies in this one, but doesn't she fly around in a shitty diner, TARDIS, at some point?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you can't cheat death unless... <laughs>
1: oh, Dagnabbit. This is a
2: death categorically cannot be cheated, <laughs>
1: except... Am I right in thinking that it is almost identical to Bill's fate? Bill not also die, kind of l- get rebooted as a person and go off on an adventure as an eternal space sp- something.
2: Yeah, resurrected by the pilots.
1: Yes, exactly. <sighs> All right well that's a bummer no
2: one ever really dies
1: well that's the thing isn't it bloody palpatining everyone (laughs) so we talk about clara clara's fucking awesome do you not (laughs) think she's a bit
2: too awesome
1: Uh, no only in one scene i feel she's too awesome for the entire rest of this episode i am a hundred i I am totally totally with you jim uh, because she's fantastic
2: I i say this because in a way this episode is a sort of cautionary tale about if you're a companion don't don't get too big for your britches because it's once Clara thinks she's got all the rules down and Dr. 101 and Dr. 102 that she does something fatally stupid.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, why do that? Why not run it by the doctor first? Why is Rigsy okay with that? Why even, it's so dumb. If that's going to be her plan, why wouldn't she just wait until the very last moment, try to solve the problem and just go, don't worry about it, worst case scenario, one second before the raven gets you, I'll just take it off your hands.
2: Yeah, she's got her plan A's and B's back to front. Yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. It it is a pretty dumb idea. I can't actually remember what she tried to explain would be the plan for it like once she's got it how how is she meant to get rid of it? Is it is it left d- as a we'll think of something.
1: I think she just says, "Well, it doesn't matter because it can't affect me." me slash ishilda said that there's an absolute guarantee that i will be fine that i won't won't be hurt so you can give me a death sentence because it can't hurt me
2: yes that is what she said and i actually made a note that it does seem clever while i was watching it this scene i thought yeah that's good logic but it just turns out that there's layers of bullshit that she hadn't taken into account
1: I think it is presented, I mean, obviously, I remembered what was going to happen when I rewatched this last night, so this was not a surprise to me. I didn't see her taking over the tattoo and go, no, oh, cool, well, episode over. But even the first time, I'm I'm almost certain that I felt, and I think this is presented in such a way to the audience, that this is a bad idea. Because otherwise, the doctor would be involved. It is yeah. clearly done behind his back. Sorry, Jim. I was just agreeing with you. Oh, Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah but but it's fairly obvious from the beginning isn't it That something even if you didn't know and i'm sure we all did know because the whole series has been breadcrumbing to this point that clara's been getting reckless and so forth i mean if you've even got half an eye open the first scene begins with clara saying basically doctor you're my glorified taxi service at this point you take me to an adventure you get into trouble I rescue you from it.
1: Just like then... a regular taxi driver. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Every time that you call a taxi, beep, beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep. Can you pick me up at this street and drop me off at that club? But in between, <laughs> let's go on a space adventure, you get into trouble, I bail you out, and then I die, and then you say, resurrect me.
0: You've never looked under the seat in a black cab? There's always a laser rifle. Oh, badass. Yeah,
1: why, why do you think they'll never let you sit in the front? <laughs> just, just armaments. <laughs> non-stop armaments. <laughs> I mean, when you say reckless, did you guys feel that it was in keeping with her character or out of character that in the beginning she's dangling out of the TARDIS as it's hovering above London and she's just laughing as she very nearly falls to her death?
0: That is literally my only negative note <laughs> really? that, I wrote, that, that I wrote down. Was, yeah, she's enjoying that. I you she wrote, she's enjoying that too much. Mm. And then Rixie goes ahead and says, says it as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, agreed. 100%. Yeah, it's bonkers.
0: Yeah, and, oh, crap. and I'm taking dangling, off point
1: two now.
2: That dangling from the TARDIS is so iconic that I completely misremembered this whole series. I don't know if, if you remember me saying when Danny Pink was dying. Or had died, or was in that whole process of dying over and over and over again, mm-hmm. that basically next week, Clara's dangling from the TARDIS and having a gay old time and couldn't care less. But no, it happens now. But I remember that as as basically the cover of this series, because it stands out so much. And ah, oh, you're right, it's only a minus 0.2, because it's a it's a tiny part of an episode, but it is madness.
0: Yeah. <sighs> I think... They sort of felt like they had to put something big in there because cause you're right, Ayo. Drew, that they have been... Uh, <laughs> they have been drip-feeding this idea that like, she's a bit of a death wish and occasionally it does come up and most yeah. of the times it comes up it's eye rollable and then we have i don't think we've had it for a while unless i've misremembered the, the, what the last two three episodes have been like where it just seems to have fade in the background a bit and now they have to bring it in like really in your face like oh clara's a bit reckless yeah she's gonna do something reckless here we go <laughs> i feel like it,
1: <laughs> yeah but i do feel like it's almost as though she's over the trauma that put her on that path in the first place. She cracks jokes about shacking up with Jane Austen again in this one. Like She's, you know, single and ready to mingle and just kind of living her life. Yeah, but
2: last week, she stumbled recklessly right into a Morpheus pod, which you took enormous exception to. It just wasn't called reckless. It was but that wasn't... called bad staging.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think that that was her it, it, <laughs> bungee jumping without double checking if the chords on rise, right. like I, I think that was meant to be the Morpheus pod having it I mean we even podcast now listen to that review I I think there's a wholly different motivator behind that fall and it's not necessarily hers
2: yeah possibly but at the same time no other Muppet got too close
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay yes that is a fair point yeah okay fine <laughs> That doesn't budge my rating, though. All the other stuff we've talked about so far has budged my rating, though. Mm.
2: Well, okay. Back in the um, stupid-slash-clever-slash-doom-laden-slash-foreboding scene, Mm -hmm. when clara convinces rigsy yes her her rationale is do you want your little girl to grow up without a father because he wouldn't take a risk i feel like that is not germane to what's going on at all rigsy basically now has to explain yeah i'm only alive because i'm basically responsible for killing uh, another woman yeah um she talked about risk and i was so surprised at the time that i couldn't properly compute it and before i knew it the the words okay had fallen out of my vastly open mouth it, it doesn't make any sense it should have been better written
1: yeah agreed oh i didn't i didn't clock that that's very true i mean the mere mention of risk means that she is actually not as confident as she might otherwise let on
2: or she's just mad reckless <laughs> But yeah, it's one of the fairly few times in this episode where I feel like another character should have come back and said something completely different. Like, this has nothing to do with that. They, they've done a better job lately of hiding the framing of, yeah, someone needs to leave the show, so this has to be, you know, force majeure, make it fit, square peg, round hole. But that was,
1: the, the scene showed there. What does my friend who agrees with me think about all this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I think two things. One is, yeah, I I take issue with the word risk. It's okay. it's a bit clunky, but I've had the transcript up for this whole episode because it's um there was a lot of good dialogue and it was it was it's useful to dig into, and that's not how that dialogue ends. Oh. She says, "You trusted us to save you, so trust us." Like that's what he's saying. Okay, to he's not saying okay to taking a risk. He's saying okay to trusting them.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. That, that's a good point. Nice. Very nice. In fact, I agree with you, which means you are still my friend who agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the the risk thing is clunky. Like it should be more that he wouldn't, you know, try to live or something like that. You know, he, you know, not try and get out of the situation. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I, I feel I feel like the risk thing is clunky enough that he would say to Clara, "No, it's not about trust. I don't want to risk your life. You said it yourself. I'm not taking that risk. Why should I? You deserve to live as much as I do. But I don't. I don't need to labour the point.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think I don't know. I I find it like. It's an awkward scene. The reason for Clara doing it is a bit awkward and weird and stupid. But I feel like if you've got someone... Like, you're contemplating your own mortality literally with a countdown hanging below your head uh, (laughs) on the back of your neck and someone says to you i can save you like i'm gonna take on the responsibility and they're so happy about it as well she's so confident and happy when she's saying all this like and he is a new father and we don't know what's going on in his life but it's just like someone has given me the option to live out the rest of my life yes i'm gonna feel a huge amount of guilt if it goes wrong I don't blame the dialogue for that. I don't blame Rigsy the character, either, for going along with it. I think that's just a really hard situation to be put in when Clara's being that ballsy.
1: I held Rigsy in higher regards than this, even though we knew him very briefly in Flatline. I absolutely would otherwise expect him to say, Yes, what you're saying makes sense, but I want the Doctor to be aware of this. Like, even if we do it right now I'm going to tell the doctor right away I'm not going to wait until one of us is potentially going to get murdered I- I'm going to tell him r- I'm going to tell him right away yeah, so why he's doesn't bullshit the doctor he? It's bullshit.
2: you're not he's the exactly. higher authority here let's run it by him
1: exactly
2: which again sh- ties back with the whole cautionary tale thing of Clara is is outgrowing her role I mean is that sort of supposed to tie in with the uh the framing of the show like Clara's gone as far as we can take her so we might as well kill her off because she can't be the doctor so,
1: oh. time to die. A oh, blurg. I've just uh, knocked off another point one. Oh, oh no, yeah, Jim. No. <laughs> okay, come on, we can fix this. You can fix Wait. this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock that point <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Because, isn't Flatline. Like, I, I might have misremembered this, but Doc is stuck in the TARDIS through most of mm. that mm. episode. Oh. You know, like He's in a mini box. Clara oh. is being the doctor through that episode. Rigsy's experience of the doctor and Clara is Clara being fucking awesome. Clara is his doctor.
1: Oh, oh j- Jim, you've just done it! Oh, Jim, you're you're my hero! Oh, that, you, that point one goes, one goes right back on that.
2: pod, and Leon is nursing it back to health on the stairs.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well done. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, that, that is a top point. I concede entirely.
0: I saw someone in the podcast, and I will probably correct all of that. But hey, that's how I remember it. <laughs>
1: No, you are right. I think you are absolutely right. Okay. However, <laughs> apropos of kind of dumb and far fetched, shall we? Shall we talk about me slash a shielder?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm prepared to talk about me slash a shielder.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you guys think of her plot? A plot uh, to capture the Doctor, I mean. It's a bit Mm far-fetched.
0: I'll give you that.
2: It's a bit weird in that the Doctor regards me in herself as a kind of mystery. She's certainly unique in the universe, or the Doctor Who universe, as we've experienced it, apart from Captain Jack, but that's a different flavour of immortality. When she appears in the deep background of the picture, he's intrigued. So, if she were to say, let's meet up up in 2015 of course he'd jump in with both feet he doesn't need all for two centuries he's been scouring the totality of human data trying to find a trace of her and she pops up and he's like wow tell me what you've been doing the last
1: 190 years yeah since you bring up that photo of her she's in the background of that pig when was that exactly It's like the year before this, tops. This is maximum one year before they are in Diagon Alley, right? Yeah. Yeah, so my- my, anyway, my point's gonna be, like, why did they believe that she doesn't remember Clara, for example? Since she has deliberately f- followed Clara, sat or stood in the background of a picture of her so that it will appear in, you know, in her phone or a picture that she's taken or whatever that thing was. Why, when they appear, why does she go, oh, you must be Clara, right? I remember you from reading, reading my diary. <laughs> I read exactly what you look like. <laughs>
0: No, she says she's seen pictures as well.
1: She was in a fucking picture. Like, she was in the background. (laughs) Why do people buy this? And why is this the best possible plot? And what happens at the end of it? Like, is is her gameplay, all right, we'll capture the Doctor, and then she's going to come clean to the whole street that the Janus was never dead to begin with? Or is she going to murder this Janus woman? Why keep well, her alive in the first place? Why well, not just murder well, her? Well, 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 well. you uh-huh.
2: saying all that. She says, "Yeah." when Clara's saying, it turned up on my neck, or she sees that it does, she yeah. says, I didn't want for anyone to get hurt. But at the same time, she promised the quantum shade a soul. It wasn't going to be Rigsy's soul. I think that the original plan was for the- everyone to think Anna was dead, hold her in the stasis pod, keep her soul nice and fresh, and then when she recalls the quantum shade from Rigsy, Arneson's nowhere in sight. She lets it have honor
1: dag nabbit drew dag nabbit you've just made me add another 0.1 to my score
2: (laughs) (laughs) however i think that that was too dark i uh, and there are two points there are two points I think that was probably the original intention, but either it was shown as too dark and me needs to be more ambiguous at this point rather than villainous. Mm -hmm. Even though Michael is... Michael Ridgway is crying out for her to be an outright villain.
1: I would love for her to be a villain as well. Wouldn't that
2: be great? Possibly. But they're not going there for the moment, so they, guess what, put that plot in stasis and they hid <laughs> it. But the other thing is that Arneson, being psychic, would have figured it out. Being a daughter, she would have she would have been able to see with her psychic stuff. Once the doctor was out of the way, she would very clearly have sensed, oh, guess what? Me, you were the one who killed my mother because you didn't actually kill her back when Riggsy, the so-called murderer was supposed to have done. You killed her... 20 minutes ago and look i'm a girl and you can trust me and you adored my mother out of this street may or me in fact we're just going to kill you right now
1: yeah so why didn't that happen
2: well because they they hid it they fobbed us off they were like don't think too hard about this yeah, we've got two hold. good reasons I I... to excise it from the episode that's what I. that's my theory
0: am i being really dumb like i don't i don't see anything beyond what we were shown like it's a trap for the doctor she would have revealed that there was a ploy going on and she would made a deal to basically keep the streets safe and the woman never died um, And it's like, yeah, there was a the woman you loved Yeah, she's back, everyone have a party But, do you but think where that does
2: these... the quantum shade get its soul from, then?
1: Oh, a, a human, presumably So let, let's say, for example, it gets Clara's soul Well, it does get Does it?
2: Yeah Well, it so... should get Clara's soul But it, I'm sure yeah, it yeah.
1: doesn't so Wait, it, wait, wait, we're talking about the time lock it, Yeah, like once yes. you've promised yeah. a soul to this quantum shade There is no getting out of it It needs to get a soul So, it, yeah, I mean, Drew's right It, it needs no, to get but... a soul so let's I say you give it a human soul
0: it. I thought Ashilda made the deal so she can she can change it but because oh wait, Clara yes, takes right. that is Clara also true off Rigsy she alters the terms of the deal which means that Ashilda then can't take it off. Yeah, so a, why, a, why oh.
2: doesn't Clara give it back to Rigsy? And then it's like original deal's restored. So what are you going to do now, Sheila? Yeah,
1: there's this weird unspoken subclause that if you hand over the death sentence, then all of a sudden it's not reversible. But it, <laughs> but if if, if you it's have no it back. that's true. Yeah, you don't get a mulligan. But that's so dumb. The one person who should not be in a position to have it be reversed is the person who's actually judged. Not the person who is altruistic enough to take it upon themselves to be judged, uh, you know, condemned to death.
2: Yeah, that, that that's actually one of my bigger beefs with the episode is that this relies on an unspoken small print subclause to drive the episode to its inevitable conclusion. And I just hate that. I don't care if it stands up in court or not. Yeah. That is not a satisfying device for me.
0: That's- yeah. so weird. I, I really like that. I like that it's written in a way that the doctor can't intervene. Like, it's really hard to watch that. Oh it's fantastic that the doctor turn. can't intervene. But it is yeah, how would anyone foresee this if it wasn't like a clause we hadn't been told about? Like if it was blatant, these are all the absolute rules of how you deal with a time a chronolock, then it would it would be boring to know that she had broken one of them. Maybe an easy
1: fix would have been if this death sentence had been set up differently to say it can be accepted by someone else, it can only be passed on to one more person, but that Clara, despite knowing that if she takes it upon herself to accept this death sentence. It is irreversible. Despite that, does so because she reads too much into this whole, uh, I give you my guarantee. Like, you know, you have the absolute guarantee that your life will be you will be unharmed. That would have been fine. Then the rules haven't been changed. It's not some obscure sub clause that we don't get to hear about until it's actually vitally important to the plot. And the only thing that's kind of highlighted is Clara's naivete. Yeah,
2: I I guess it's, it's not just, well, first of all, I agree with what you
1: just said and although it was very rambly i apologize
2: no i I think i followed the thread as as far as anyone can (laughs) (laughs) because we're we're dealing with with gray areas like four-dimensional gray areas here so whatever Mm -hmm. um to come back to jim's thing of how jim likes the turn it took based on the legalese I guess I would have liked to know why. There is no possible justification. I mean, first of all, it's not a physical thing. We're dealing with spirit stuff. So you can write the rules however you like. Yeah. This is this is pretty soft um, science fiction. But why why me can't change the rules for Clara when she could have for Riggsie? I don't see how something substantial can be there apart from because...
1: This is what I'm saying. If, for example, that scene with the couple, we, I mean, we get to see a demonstration of the death sentence in action. And there's a chap who, who has the death sentence. His partner goes, give it to me. I'll happily take it.
2: He says, I did this for you, you silly old
0: thing.
1: <laughs> Sound bites, And it, it, like, it, that's great why during this scene don't we have, let's say, for example, Rigsy in the background saying, yeah, but uh, like, uh, can't we, I think I have thought of a loophole. Can't they just pass it back and forth between each other constantly, forever, <laughs> problem solved? No, you can't do that. You can only pass it along once. That's it. That's how this thing works. We've established that now. This is your complete demonstration.
2: Yeah, because you just, you just all get into a conga line, wouldn't you? And just keep passing it, exactly. whizzing it around, and the raven eventually just just fall down dead itself because it can't keep up.
1: Yeah, it would be like uh, shagging people in It Follows. Have you seen It Follows? <laughs> yeah, it's freaking yeah. amazing. Yeah.
2: It'd be like a human spirit peed or whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so hot. My <laughs> goodness. <laughs> it's when one soul connects to the another soul and shits into it and then it's a perfect <laughs> circle. That's how it works, I believe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so... I really don't have as much of a problem with this as you do seem to. But so, what's the <laughs> the real issue that it's this subclause? Because you can you can rewrite basically two lines of dialogue. So Riggs, or maybe even just one. Right, Riggsy says, "Give it back to me," and Clara says, "No," because Clara has to give it back. He can't be taken. Yes, that's yes. a
1: fantastic rewrite. Yes, so wonderful rewrite. No,
0: no, seriously, that that would satisfy both of you is it's the fact that it's an un- yeah. unwritten rule yeah, yes that's so, absolutely yeah. i feel like this happens all the time in dot two and it really doesn't bother me that much <laughs> <laughs> that would be that's way better than than my
1: suggestion that is so much better
2: yeah and then you can add a, another dimensional layer to clara's Sacrifice. farewell
1: speech yeah. yes exactly all of a sudden it means more because she is sacrificing herself to for the good of literally everyone <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it, and it is sort of latent there anyway, isn't it? Because she has met the baby at the beginning. That's why she convinces him to give yeah. it to her even temporarily. So, yeah, have her just double down on that and be like, no, I'm, I'm sticking with my decision, Riggsie.
1: Oh, boom, shakalak, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> That is the and retro the, rewrite of the week. Well done. Yeah, and
2: I, I get that thereby it becomes, you know, another Doctor Who cliche, but I would have preferred that cliche.
1: Yeah, agreed. Interesting. Uh, by the way, maybe we need some sort of fanfare for retro rewrite of the week.
2: <laughs> okay, I have another question. Mm-hmm. Should the Doctor ever be this broken by the departure of a companion?
1: Doesn't it happen quite often in New Who?
2: Well it does. It, it it fits the trend established when he loses Rose. And of course he's never fully got an Donna because who could? And that is the hurt underlying all the subsequent pain that he's feeling for each subsequent companion. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. But but my point is there have been dozens across his twelve Lifetimes by this point. Dozens. And the thing we just
1: reviewed a companion exit on the Classic Channel. What happened there? (laughs) Jim, do you want to take this one? (laughs) (laughs) Shite happened. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Could you be a little more specific?
0: there's a very brief scene at the end where romana says uh i don't want to go back to our normal universe i'm gonna stay here and jump around with jump these
1: arounds
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: uh, i've met some lion people uh, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna forego all my life and adventures with you fuck it i'm hanging out with these lion dudes bye <laughs> then boom abrupt ending
2: <laughs> so she just stays in
1: e space um, she does. Well, she remains in the space between E and N space. Oh, weird. Yeah, at least as far as we're aware. Okay, so that's
2: too blasé. I accept that. Yeah. That is wrong. We can't have that carry on all the time.
1: Most companion but- exits in Classic Hue to date have been, if the companion is a young woman, bear in mind these are the 60s we're referring to Most mostly, 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. If some of companions- whose,
2: some, which women are wearing
1: no pants. If the um, uh, <laughs> it's only one in the actually, and she does wear pants. I don't know why we started calling her Vicky no pants. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm not going to change the name on the website because it brings a lot of people to our website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, okay. Anyway, so if the companion in question is a young woman, a relatively standard reason for the person to leave is that during the course of the serial, she meets a dude falls in love and decides staying in that relationship without travelling around space and time is more important. That's it. Okay, That's pretty sad. And how does
2: the Doctor react to that? Because he's seen that a lot.
1: Um, Happy for them slash, I mean... I don't know if Susan is a is an example of this cuz he does really he laments the loss of Susan as a companion mm. even though it is largely his fault. He just won't open the door. He won't open the door or give her back her fucking shoe. He's such an asshole. <laughs> I love him. But no, mostly he's just kind of understanding. Like, oh, great. You're going to have a lovely life uh, with this person you literally met today.
2: <laughs> right, so there's, there's no inherent tragedy to the scene, I guess is what you're saying.
1: No, sometimes there is. No. But not like this. Nothing like this. But and certainly like not in the last Amy one. And Rory, Absolutely not. And
2: nothing like Rose and obviously Donna, number
1: one. Not that I recall. Jim, I'm sorry, I just talked over you there a moment ago, I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I I think I was just going to say the same things you were going to say. Like, yeah. Old, old exits was just like a wave out of the TARDIS door. Like, all right, see ya.
2: (laughs) 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 What about when Sarah Jane left?
0: Sarah Jane's an odd one.
1: Did we review that one, Jim?
0: You've at least seen that one. Yeah. She's just abandoned. (laughs) So, I've got to go to Gallifrey. Uh, You can't come to Gallifrey, because humans aren't allowed. That's it, Um, yes, I'd forgotten that. Uh, I'll just drop you off, and in then Croydon. I'm going to Gallifrey. <laughs> yeah, I'll just drop you off on Earth, then I'm going to Gallifrey. That's it. It's, okay, not like,
1: it's not even anywhere in, goodbye on forever. Earth. It's not like I've picked a really nice beach in the Seychelles, or I here's the you know the Uffizi in Florence. It's uh, West Croydon. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay, so, so in a way, Doctor Who is, is correcting historical wrongs. But, mm. I mean, I don't want to say that it's definitely gone too far. I want to hear what you think without leading you in one direction or another. What what do you think of his reaction to Clara dying?
0: I thought it was absolutely 100% amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think... Capaldi has been an interesting doctor, and Clara has been an interesting companion for him and we know they don 't often use the fact that like she's been in the doctor 's time stream and she knows all this stuff, and they forget that she's a tech whiz until this episode actually. she was very good at like going, "Ah, the phone's been wiped for that day, all, all the memory's gone, and the GPS locations are gone oh yeah, anyway,
1: not that you have to be a master hacker to see that. You look at a phone and say, hmm, you have no messages from yesterday. I'm a master hacker, so I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, what was shown on the screen,
0: I had no idea what that was saying. <laughs> oh, that's true. It was like Gallifrey and Wibbly Wobblies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rand- random 3D thing, vaguely f- phone exploded shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they and we, we've seen the doctor and i think particularly capaldi and i can't think of the exact scenes get very emotional and angry about characters we've seen him be very flippant about people dying um, we've seen him have to use his cue cards to interact with humans but we've seen we've definitely seen other doctors get very angry about the villain of the week threatening humans and yeah being being really upset that you know they can't do anything and and he has a real beef with me. I think that's what I get from this as well. We saw that in the, the previous episode that she was in. And you know, that, I think that feed, feeds into why he hasn't gone and seen her. Like He's, he's just worried that she's a very blasé immortal who might mm. kind of blow up the universe just because it's Tuesday. Uh, and <laughs> I think... <laughs> <Tuesday>. <laughs> <laughs> for all the Rex to Run fans out there, <laughs>
2: that's just for me and you, Jim. I, I,
1: I didn't get that. What was that? What? <laughs> I thought we were talking about days of the week. <laughs> I didn't realise there was a whole reference here.
0: <laughs> say it in a particular way, and um, yeah, yeah Okay.
1: Is <laughs> <laughs> that Vince? Uh, I'll say I'll say that into Shazam and see what I come up with. Clara maybe means more to the Doctor than other even knew who companions he's, he's not in love with her the way that he was with rose but isn't he well he might be who knows maybe because but... because she says to him don't
2: say it now we've had really bad timing this would be a bad time to say that fine
1: but... maybe but they're not star-crossed lovers and they're not you know the destined to be together romantically the way that every single not every single but <laughs> A, a huge run of r- the Rose era was set up to be like that. Was th- there was constantly romantic tension there. There isn't here. But Clara has jumped into the Doctor's time stream. She has rescued the Doctor. She has helped shape the Doctor's life. You know, she's course corrected him throughout his his, his entire life and the fact that she is now suddenly going to no longer be part of it, that's a huge thing. And you know, she's been part of literally every single fragment of this man's life, this being's yeah, life. Most,
2: mostly unwittingly, but he has seen the the extent of her dedication.
1: Exactly, and all of a sudden, henceforth, that will no longer be the case, as far as he's concerned. That's yeah. a gigantic so actually, he, change. He,
2: in a way, he has to now take have the training wheels taken off himself yes he's been talking about taking it off clara exactly but but two thousand years or whatever splinter claras have been guiding him along on his tiny little dr tricycle and now suddenly
1: (laughs) precisely no more course correction absolutely and for that reason i think it, it is a slightly more traumatic change or experience for him now than it was even when he parted ways with Rose on, you know, at Bad Wolf Bay. Like, that was voluntary. That was, he did that deliberately, he did that knowingly. Here, it is coming entirely out of left field and he is completely alone. Plus, he knows that he's going to be stuck inside his whatever it's called you know not the pocket watch whatever the thing is called confession dial bingo bongo that's the one
2: yeah he doesn't know what that's gonna entail yet he doesn't know where he's being teleported to no that's true but he
1: knows that he's gonna be separated from his TARDIS he's being taken somewhere against his will he is effectively shackled when he's taken there whatever he he doesn't know exactly what to expect but wherever he's going he knows to expect some really nasty shit
2: yes now haha can I stop you there
1: bingo go for it
2: because this is why I'm asking the question. I'm going to divert back momentarily to the don't say what now and you saying they are not romantic lovers as ten and rose were yeah because they are not romantic in that way what would be wrong with the doctor at this point saying i love you and it's a much deeper love than just a sexual romantic thing of course two friends who know this much about each other on parting would say i love you to each other the final things they're going to say But the show disallows it. And because it disallows it and makes it seem a little bit taboo, it points you in the direction of old man, young woman, romantic love. That's not a thing we should be seeing on Saturday evenings.
1: I see what you're saying, but I think think another consideration here is simply that not saying it but knowing that it would otherwise have been said is a way more powerful statement than just saying it and then having the entire in- internet dissect the manner in which it was said. Like, th- but, this but, is but, infinitely better.
2: That's true, but these actors, fucking brilliant actors, both of them, I cannot fault Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman in this scene. I can fault the Twelfth Doctor and Clara as they have been written, but the two actors masters of their craft they could well it is well within their capabilities for them to deliver it in a fairly unambiguous way like we're not suddenly going to share a passionate final kiss before we're sundered forever they can make us understand the nature of how they love each other and it's not yeah. this thing that the show is saying oh we can't possibly go there <laughs> can i ask a stupid
1: question J- just because i've forgotten but does tenant ever utter
0: those words to Rose? i think he gets cut off
1: oh yes you're right yeah. yes so
2: yeah, i can true. see his face i can see the tear running down his cheek
0: <laughs> he might he might say the l i'm not yeah.
2: sure Jim, at this point, you are like JD 2.0. You've got <laughs> every frame <laughs> photographically preserved in that in that mind palace of yours. It no, is...
0: I'm leaning heavily on the transcript of this very episode. I can't remember that <laughs> that <one. laughs>
2: that's, that's how you cram. That's how you become a JD. But Leon, where I stopped you before. Uh huh. Um. I, I wrote this question because it ties in with a feature of Stephen Moffat's writing okay, for, of his big protagonists. And you saw it in Sherlock, and it detracted from the last series of Sherlock – and I know this because he said it in the special features of Sherlock, which we watched recently, he likes to push his characters to the limits and he likes to test the relationships they have and to heighten the, the, what they're feeling like when Sherlock got Mary Watson killed and it didn't seem like him and Watson could be friends anymore. Um, but beyond a certain point, I feel like it just verges on sadism. And I feel like it's fine for, for characters to be shown going through woes and throes and things. But I, I just feel like maybe it went too far here to outdo all the all the depths of feeling that he's felt before. It just seems a bit cruel.
1: I don't... I really... I, I feel like you're adding way too much meaning to uh, these unuttered words we know what's is, on yeah. his mind we know what's in his heart both of them but it saying anything like like it it, it really makes future seasons of this of this show more complicated And it is, I think, more meaningful to just know that they want to say it rather than just have them say it. We're having a conversation about it now. If they had said it, we would have gone like, wasn't it great? "Mm, Yeah, it was a bit cheesy. That's not you, by the way, Drew. I know you think that's you. That's not you. That was Jim. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's totally true. I, we would have spent maybe two minutes talking about it. You oh, know, it wasn't that great. Yeah, so how does that compare to Rose? Mm, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Done, done. But they didn't say it, it adds gravitas, it adds meaning, it adds profundity to this scene, which otherwise would not be there.
2: I'm not saying the cruelty consists in the Doctor not being allowed to say I love you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that at a certain point, how much a character suffers, there are diminishing returns and it loses me. And I, I just feel too sorry and too sad or I just feel like it's too extreme for me to be like I- I'm enjoying this, and I'm not. I know you're not supposed to enjoy a character feeling sad. You're supposed to feel sad with them. I-, I guess. I guess. I guess I can say because you don't feel that way, maybe, maybe it's more a problem with Sherlock than with this. But I saw a potential parallel, and maybe it doesn't
1: stand up. I don't want to go too far into because uh, I have written a couple of bullet points for my mini. I don't want to necessarily <laughs> infringe upon that, but possibly further emphasized by the fact that the doctor is incapable or not allowed to say these words his behavior after she is dead packs that much more of a punch never make the doctor angry. That was, like, the, the one <laughs> takeaway for me after this episode. Like, holy moly, never make him angry, because wowee, it goes mooey, mooey dark towards the end. <laughs> I, I, I wrote down a line, uh, the doctor is no longer here, you're stuck with me, which is right before she dies. The anger in his eyes and him trying to, you know, just keep his promise, his final promise to her at the end, after she's died. Oh, my goodness. I feel like that's juxtaposed with the tension. I mean, this is tension that I'm reading into it afterwards. It's not even tension necessarily that I felt last night, but the tension of him wanting to say words, not being allowed to say words, surely that makes it that much more powerful. Jim, what do
0: you think? I think I watched a different thing to you, Drew. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, um, I mean, I just... So it was just an amazing moment to have a companion in particular but anyone just being able to muster themselves and and this in my mind was true self-sacrifice something that doctor who does not do very well very often (laughs) but clara just stands there and tells the doctor what he needs to hear and confronting her imminent death and it's Possibly the best send off we've ever had for a companion. Like I know it's not the actual send off, but you know when you're watching this the first time round, thinking she's basically about to die at the hands of some weird celestial raven thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is it a raven? <laughs> why is this street like something out of Harry Potter? Like they're all space aliens with massive care, technology. <laughs> why, why is this raven not like? Why is it not just the weird cloud thingy that it is otherwise? It's just oh, it's so I'm some some bits of this are just so fucking dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I interrupted you.
0: <laughs> Bloody raven. Yeah, I I don't care. It is bonkers, but I love it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like she, because she knows him that well. She knows him like a lifelong friend can know him. And yes, yeah, like a companion, like a romantic companion could know him that way as well. But the only person who has ever done that is River. And like she's basically t- kind of taken over from River in this scene, I think. And exposing like things about the Doctor that we don't always... Remember, I think we've been told all these things that he doesn't cope very well when he's alone. He's going to get angry because his companion has died and he couldn't save save her. We know he's been a war doctor and she doesn't want him to be that again you know all these all these things kind of like gel together and and bring ideas that have been there throughout the history of who even going back to classic I think
1: there are line parallels to that war doctor regeneration by the way Uh, she says heal thyself Um, to the doctor ah, he's like yeah but what about me and she goes yeah heal thyself uh, which is what McGann says you know a physician heal thyself before he drinks the potion that turns him into the war doctor
2: oh brilliant
1: he's says i mean these are all things that are amounting to the quite frankly staggeringly generous rating i've given this episode but like it's almost as though capaldi in this scene i'm really sorry if i'm interrupting now and i'm basically co-opting this point but like there there is a point in this scene where the doctor risks going down exactly the same route that paul mcgann went down
0: yeah I, i definitely took that from this as well there's yeah i don't think they're trying to hide the fact that no that's true no no obvious yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess if you watch this and you kind of forget that clara had the whole time stream thing which they're not making a big point of it might sound a bit of fan servicey but to me it was this is the bit that the piece of the puzzle of clara that we don't see often enough that she does know the doctor better than anyone ever has arguably river is the exception but yeah and yeah i i totally you know, just lapped all that up and mm-hmm. you're right i think leon that the then the closing scene like clara's basically pleaded with him and then ordered him to basically not turn his anger on the rest of the universe yeah and you can just see him just fighting with that just like I want to just rip the world apart. He's put and a
1: Clara-shaped lid filler. on a boiling pot.
0: He's just like, yeah. no,
1: I'm gonna cover yeah. this. <laughs> like, oh god! Oh, wow, it's such a good. Oh, he's so good.
2: Yeah, don't oh. get me wrong. <laughs> I, there are, I dislike more of this episode than you. But when Capaldi says, "You will find the universe is a very small place," when I'm cross with you, I am thrilling. My heart's going at two hundred to the minute at oh.
1: that point. <laughs> Okie dokie, boom shakalak. We've got, what, like three bullet points max left each? Yep. Drew, I feel like you want to start. You should start.
2: We haven't talked about the moment where Clara actually dies. Yes. The three or four or five moments. It's just, you see the raven enter her and she starts to scream and then a shot from above and then a shot from further away and then a full wide shot
1: we get a repeat like a, a triple quadruple repeat of her screaming yes muted I mean come on yeah maybe that's a bit yeah, much
0: yeah it was, a, it was a little bit weak but I liked the fact that she screamed in silence and you just saw everyone's reaction to the scream I thought that was quite impactful
2: well you saw Rump sort of look weirdly around as the camera is moving but it, it doesn't look like it's emotionally resonating with him,
0: well, I think he's probably just hearing terror and I think possibly surprise as well because no one else knows that Ricky gave it away. So, hearing a woman scream,
2: I guess that, that that's just a distraction though, putting that together when you should just be feeling you know the peak of emotion at that point. I, I won't say more than the way this was filmed and repeated just took me right out of the moment. The muting was fine, and I get what you're saying. That just allows your brain to fill it in, but to keep having to start filling it in again as it starts again and again, I don't care how good the preceding few minutes was, that has
1: to detract, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe that could have been handled more elegantly, but I understand why they want to spend tons of time on it. It's an important moment in Doctor Who, it's an important moment in the Doctor's life. Yeah. Uh, maybe runtime was about 45 seconds low. <laughs> they had to pat it out. No, it
2: wasn't. This was a 47-minute episode. They ran long specifically so they could include that.
1: Okay, so then it's just cheese, but uh, fine. That's, that's it. It's cheesy. Fine.
2: That and her lying on the... Uh cobblestones like as if she's just asleep and it's ever so peaceful it's pure cheese netflix by the way has this really cool new feature and it's appeared on other uh, video streaming channels where you can speed up the playback from one to 1.5 speed and that is almost quick enough to get through this scene without me vomiting
1: oh wow oh Uh, taking this episode to task all right gotcha (laughs) Okay, I,
2: I I just I just don't see how how it ever could add. It's so over the top, and I get it. I get they want to be as epic as possible, but I I it almost makes me lose respect for Jenna Coleman that she didn't come into the editing suite and say, "Guys, that's a bit much." Unless Stephen Moffat was like, "No, Jennifer, we know best." <laughs> Jenna, um, we know best. Uh, trust us, it'll be fine. I feel like she should have said, "No, really, I'm vomiting here. This doesn't make me look
1: good." <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a companion exit. Perhaps at this point she doesn't realize that she will be resurrected to ride around space and time in a shit diner so (laughs) she wants to really i mean i'm assuming everyone wants to milk this scene for everything that it's worth and hence you get cheese ironically yeah
2: because it curdles it curdles in your mouth yeah
0: not that bad (laughs) (laughs) it's just a little bit drawn out they they did way too many cuts I'm with you I'm with you
1: okay who else has a bullet point
0: I have a bullet point to throw it straight back to you Drew um, we have a countdown throughout this well pretty much the (gasps) entire episode (laughs) so how did you feel about that
2: Well, I feel like there was a rather large unspoken jump between 532 and 76. They were walking those streets for eight hours or yeah. more.
1: Was- and floating above London. Yeah. Going to oh, a yes. yeah, that map taken- room and... There's tons of stuff.
2: You can account for it. It was just a slightly large jump to not be commented upon. It's fine. I'm, I'm not actually that bothered by it because it, there is novelty to this countdown.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty unique one. I, I, mm. It is. Oh, and, well, I liked it.
2: And at the end of this countdown, a death is guaranteed. So, well, it, if, the, if the death couldn't be cheated, I would have utter respect for the countdown because you can't fuck around with a countdown where someone dies at the end. But we'll come back to that two episodes from now.
1: Uh, A a good spot, Jim I had not picked up on that
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what have you got, Mr. Leon?
1: Alright, here's just a a, a random observation There's a Sherlock Holmes reference in this one Mm -hmm. 17 minutes and 3 seconds in there is a stall that looks to me as though I I only looked at, I didn't like pause and go back and yada 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 but it, it, it looked to me as though it was a stall on Diagon Alley where they're selling maybe scarves or something, but the stall itself has a heading. And the only thing that you can read off this heading is Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. It has something else in there. It's like, uh, maybe it's like, oh, scarves by Sherlock Holmes. But it, it seems like, yeah, why is that there? Oh, maybe it's because. The same production team also works on Sherlock.
2: See, I would have liked for them to say, this is where 221B Baker Street actually is. Because there isn't (laughs) a 221B Baker Street in London. There never has been. But they could have said, via these Trap Street physics, Mm -hmm. and by the way, the Trap Street, I love that as a concept, really enticed Yeah,
1: very good idea. I love it as well.
2: And They could have wrapped that in, but then they would have had to talk about it and explain it. So, yeah, maybe not.
1: Yeah, like I said, I only
0: have... uh, Oh, sorry, Jim, go for it. I was going to say, maybe even for um, BBC and uh, Moffat in particular, that's too much of a circle joke just to mention (laughs) Sherlock Holmes, even even in the slightest. (laughs) Talking about the the map stuff, though, I really loved that they managed to explain. I I had not heard of these trapped streets, how they would draw them on a map to... um, for your copyright infringement. Yeah, that's really <laughs> um, cool. And it's explained in episode and it doesn't feel like it's labored and hand in. Uh, that's quite a feat. I quite enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, even today, Doctor Who continues to be a pseudo-educational TV show. There are yeah. elements in it that are clearly meant to educate the audience.
2: Yeah, I, I would be happy for it to turn into QI for a couple of minutes every week. Because that's exactly <laughs> yeah. where this was lifted from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it it needs that kind of, I think um, maybe it's the speed of Clara's delivery. Like, it's not like she's, uh, you know, pushing her glasses up her nose and saying, well... I'm gonna to about to tell you all about trap streets, don't you know? Um, she just goes. Stephen oh, yeah, Fry, everybody,
2: streets. Stephen Fry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that wasn't a Stephen Fry. <laughs> but if it is, then can I do a Stephen Fry impression? What? Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, she just she just kind of like comes out with like an information hose pipe, and it's just like yeah. I've got this in, this knowledge in my head as well, Doctor, don't you know?
1: <laughs> mm. Mm. This is sort of continuing the new tradition, uh, the new tradition very <laughs> abruptly shattered of uh, Clara being a pub quiz goddess.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: on the subject of Clara, we get, uh, I alluded to this earlier, we do get another Jane Austen reference, and in this case, uh, just a very, very brief question, Uh, the, the, The exact line is Sometimes Jane Austen and I prank each other Oh she is the worst I love her And then almost winking across the fourth wall Take that how you like Do you think perhaps this was included As a wink and a nudge to the To the fourth wall in question Because at this point, there had been quite a lot of fan theories about a potential relationship between Clara and Jane Austen.
2: I think that Clara only brought Jane Austen up earlier this series, and they would have filmed it in one block, so they couldn't be reacting to fan theories at this point. They would have have planned this in advance as a nice tag.
1: Okay, I don't
2: know.
0: I feel like, if anything, it might be more of the they really like Clara being a bit Doctor-like. And This is the sort of thing Tennant did all the time. I think, in particular, it was like referencing to. I was like, oh yeah, no, I, Queen I, Elizabeth I've first. met
1: Marilyn Monroe, and uh, oh no, I may have married several queens, and so on and so forth. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, know, I slash mean, definitely did, definitely. Yeah, at least my one, definitely. You,
2: Although, you wonder why all the royal families of Europe are so inbred? Well, I'm <laughs> the answer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zygons don't have chins, um, but the. <laughs>
2: Makes me think of um, why can Clara say that about Jane Austen and wink, and in the same episode, not allowed to say it about the Doctor because of the four. Because it then makes his subsequent reactions much more forceful, as Leon has said.
0: And just to interject, because I didn't really say this earlier, I have no issue whatsoever about people not saying "I love you" to people they're not romantically involved yeah. with. I think that's the norm. Like it would have been okay if they delivered it correctly, but I think it can go so badly wrong and be mm. ripped apart that it's worth just not doing it. Like everything they said portrayed their relationship, particularly the bravery and like worry that Clara had about the doctor being left. Like she wasn't worried about herself because she couldn't do anything. Um, Yeah. All of that just went to the wayside and you're just left with just the friendship just left on the page.
2: I get what you're saying, but the potential downside is way greater than the potential upside and the history of doctor who freighting these words with, lots of unwanted associations would, yeah, have definitely skewed it one way. I guess I'm coming from spending most of lockdown listening to Zach Braff and Donald Faison, the stars of Scrubs, doing their rewatch podcast and they tell each other that they love each other every week and that's two guys (laughs) and they're very open about it and they're like, people should say this more and it should stop being a problem and a thing and I've heard that for nine months solid and now I get these people who are friends on a far more profound level than than that even and it's like yeah, exactly. oh they're... well exactly
1: if it's even oh, more profound than it. that then why why anchor it on a particular level of profundity why not leave it hanging leave it out in, uh, out there unknown so that it could be exactly as profound as the audience can imagine it being
2: okay but then why have the line at all
0: I was going to say I, I don't want us to get stuck on this point because we have talked about it quite a lot yeah, already yeah, yeah. but I, th- I think the actual line that you're questioning is the one i have in the transcript which is everything you're about to say i already know don't do it now we've already had enough bad timing which Mm -hmm. literally the only interpretation i took from that was she might die in the middle of doctors saying something nice
1: (laughs) yeah it it doesn't you're absolutely right it doesn't have to be those words it could be literally anything it could just be him expressing his gratitude for her uh, being the person that she's been it doesn't have to be romantic it doesn't have to be anything else Okay, yeah, I like that better. Anyway, can we progress to the next bullet point? Sure.
0: Yes, can I put a bullet point to just help me understand something? Mm. Um, So the refugees, we are described... Sorry, the people of this street are described as refugees. Mm -hmm. Are they explicitly refugees... From the Doctor's actions Or are they just general refugees Oh, that's a good question Holy moly
2: Nobody's scared of the Doctor at all Though, for him turning up as the Doctor Right?
0: They don't even seem to don't, know him There is some dialogue, I think, about them They don't like you here Like, this is oh. not a safe, safe place for you to be Or something like that Oh, this is the
2: most dangerous street in London for you uh, yeah, Lots yeah. of your enemies are here Yes, yeah, they do say of... those things um, but i I took that as just sort of peril building, like suffusing the atmosphere with potential menace rather than these people are here directly as a result of actions you have taken. They're the survivors of armies that you have routed.
0: Yeah, indeed. I think you're right about that. Yeah, because I I couldn't quite make it stick, but then I couldn't also explain why there are, like, there's, there's one random Cyberman, there's one random Santaran. There's uh, probably there's a Dalek masquerading
1: as a girl in a dress. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But they're, you know, they're all on Earth. They're in, they're on the street in, in on Earth. And did they get brought there, or did?
2: Oh, I see They all saying. just
0: Like, was, were they all part of failed invasions, you know, and they were the <laughs> ones that were left behind? Are they kind of men in black onto this street?
1: Are they alien, like, you know, refugees from their respective planets?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because it doesn't make sense for, for a cyber man to have, like, left a battlefield on a different planet and come to a refugee spot on Earth.
2: Yeah, and everyone in the street, I mean, the guy with the glasses especially, really anti-human. They are perpetually fearing being discovered by humans walking in. So why come to Earth at all, especially if they weren't there to begin with?
1: Why do, why do they yeah. even have a route into on Alley? Why not wall that up? Like, is, is it because once a day someone from Diagon Alley <laughs> puts on a, a, you know, a human mask and goes to Tesco and picks up a pint of milk? Do they ever need to leave this street? Couldn't they just... Like, why is it accessible, is my question. Wouldn't it be easier to just put it in a back room somewhere, and no one knows that it's there? Make it subterranean.
2: Yeah, just, just disguise it as a, a London... Uh... Gentleman's Club or something.
1: Exactly, yeah. Or put it in, you know, one of the discarded uh, underground stations or something like that.
2: That's that's why... Can I just interrupt and say that's why I love the uh, concept of this Trap Street so much because I am exactly that fucking abandoned london underground station trivia fact nerd <laughs> like, and, and uh, you know neverwear as well that yes, whole yes. thing really loved how this tied in with that and I, yeah that's true i, I agree i, I like that whole setup
1: oh um, I need they to... they
2: shouldn't be heading out to tesco they should be heading out to boots so that they can get some some freaking ibuprofen so this guy doesn't have to die for stealing <laughs> painkillers <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that's so true <laughs>
0: Like, there's no guarantee ibuprofen works on every alien species. That's very true. Uh, <laughs> the like, that are available.
1: Once a year, they can cobble together enough of a face mask to send one person to boots. So if you steal <laughs> one ibuprofen, yep, that's a death sentence for you, buddy.
2: Surely someone could just slip a lurkworm behind their ear. It'll disguise itself as a, as a pencil.
0: you could coax one into sit underneath an umbrella and you're just walking around with (laughs) the umbrella and it's just like lighting you up.
2: And the light ones going, I can't hold on to this much longer. We're nearly there. (laughs) My teeth are aching.
0: Okay. Okay. I think there was more questions than answers there, but anyway, yeah, we (laughs) set up here. Totally totally on board.
2: no, it does make sense that there would be alien medical supplies that they didn't have access to on Earth, and they would need rationing, I guess, so... Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to warp speed into the next bullet point, because it's another super... I-, I only have super-duper short bullet points left here. Um mm-hmm. The chap who dies as a result of the demonstration of what a uh, the Quantum Shade does. That chap is Rob- Robin Sones. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He played the part of Chronologue Guy. He-, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has also appeared in Classic Who, and in <sighs> fact, will appear in the next Classic Who that we will be reviewing, namely... Keeper of the Trachan. Oh, sorry, the Keeper of Trachan. He plays yeah. Luvik. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so let's keep an eye out for him.
2: Another, another one yeah. of those weird coincidences you only get on Who Back When.
1: <laughs> 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 Ha-ha! so true.
2: A final point to pick up on Jim was saying about Clara's self-sacrifice earlier. I mean, she herself says... It wasn't a sacrifice, it was strategy. So I don't Hmm. think it quite fits into that. I think it's more about facing death bravely. And back in The Girl Who Died, the doctor said to Clara that a good death is the best anyone can hope for. Unless you're a mortal, wink. Especially if you're a Klingon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think this comes under the uh, category of good death. Yeah, than self-sacrifice.
0: Yeah, true. That's but probably, probably fair. Oh. All right. So, what should we do now? Do you think we should uh, go and rate this? Let's do that.
1: Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong bing Hey la 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 la. la. Ratings.
0: Right, yeah, we've got to that point again Where we sit down and rate this thing Drew and Leon Put their fingers on their noses Whilst I was not paying the slightest bit of attention Did So I'm dance. going for <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am slightly More down to earth Than I was after watching this To quote Leon the in Raven. previous recordings <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry I have started at a five After watching this, this episode Oh my goodness Wow! <laughs> <laughs> That's worse than me. I think even <laughs> even when we started recording, I'd already you know, lost that feeling a little bit. But
2: right. oh, by the way, sorry uh, to interrupt. Is was Marie in agreement with you?
0: Yeah, she loved it as well. Mm. Uh, of course
1: she did. Oh my goodness, of course she did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the main thing that hasn't really stopped me coming too far down is that it's still an episode where I don't mind the flaws. Like we we have talked a lot about problems in this serial. The whole trap street concept is a bit weird and a bit underexplained. I don't care. I really like the fact that there's a Diagon Alley in the um, the Hooniverse now. <laughs> Forever may it stay. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not only um, that, but there are other Diagon Alleys that they could potentially visit in future
1: episodes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. True. Uh, um, Clara's brilliant plan isn't that brilliant. That's quite clear. She's going a little little bit off the rails with you know trying to take on everything. I. I still feel like she's more capable than most companions. I don't have so much of an issue with her not wanting to get approval from Doc and all this kind of stuff. But it's a little, little, yeah, very questionable as to why she doesn't just kind of go, hey, Doc, why don't we do this? It doesn't have to be a secretive thing. Hmm. And yeah, the the, the death scene wasn't enough to take me out of it entirely. But yeah, the literally showing the same frame from different angles cut between people's reactions was cheesy as hell.
2: Did they show Capaldi's reaction, by the way?
0: There might have been a group shot. I don't know if it was focused particularly on him. Mm. I'm not Sorry, sure. I
2: keep this, I'm keep i not going to interrupt you on a Come on. Come on. Uh,
0: but none of those really, I think, annoyed me enough to knock off more than the odd point one here and there. So things like things I did really like then. We've got a couple of good good lines that I wanted to draw attention to in particular. I think we may have brushed up against them or said them exactly, I don't know. But the the scene with the baby, you know, Doc comes in. Uh, did you make this human? Oh <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's a reminder that um Capaldi can do that comedy and you know kind of whimsical stuff. And they when they're doing or attempting to do the good cop bad cop and Clara says, "Doctor, we've discussed this." Your face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <Yep. laughs> brilliant that done as well. I com- love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like for what is it? You know, in the combination, a very dramatic and emotional. You know, um, episode, the humor actually is quite good as well, which is is no mean feat to get all of that in one. And yeah, talking about that ending, love, love, loved it all. Like you can p- pick little bits in it, and maybe if you're not me, you read it slightly differently and you don't enjoy it as much, but. I totally loved that Clara gets to show what a good friend and what knowledge and understanding she has of the doctor and the moment of her death, how brave she gets to be, how she references her one true love, Danny Pink, and how brave he was like this I think there was a lot of things that they made a point to reference that could have could have felt cheesy could have felt fan service but they were all just on the nose as to what Clara would have thought in that moment after composing herself and she delivers it really well as well and it leads up to you know Doc's reaction like originally is just like absolute vengeance he wants to just save Clara however however way possible and it's Clara that has to kind of like bring back down to Earth. It's like, no, you you, you can't go nuts. You're not going to rain terror on everything. You're going to see a crying child and you're just going to stop in your tracks and you know turn face and save everyone. Mm. But then, ultimately, you still get that kind of peek under the hood of the anger that the Doctor is capable of, particularly Capaldi, when she's actually gone. And just the sheer le- level of fear you can imagine me feeling at that moment. It's just, <laughs> you know, how small the universe is when I am angry. is like, mm-hmm. holy fuck yes that that is very understood (laughs) yes I'm gonna not really um, stalk you anymore doctor okay (laughs) Um, and yeah we've, we've I think there are, there are sort of like things that kind of brush around at the, the edges that maybe I'll forget again because I I kind of like when I came in came into rewatching this I j- just remembered that alleyway and I thought everything just took place in that alleyway I didn't even remember Briggsy was in it he's very good I hope I don't forget that he's in it again but it's all just there are things there to kind of make the story gel together and, and progress in the, a nice paced fashion and it kept me very very entertained and I've got a number written down, which really isn't that far from a five, and I'm just going to go with it. Fuck it. (laughs) 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 4.7.
1: Wow! So (laughs) pleased. Okay,
2: I'm going to talk about how some people will hate the floaty spirit device on which this episode hinges. But I've got no time for anyone who says categorically, X, something like this, is not Doctor Who. I may have said it in the past, but if so, I recant. This is a series with over 850 episodes. It is veered from granite-hard sci-fi to fear her, and it's covered every inch of the spectrum in between. I like the experiments, I like the deviations, because I want to see something new. I have no trouble with this, if it's done well. Mm -hmm. when you go out on a limb like this it's not enough to say anything goes some concession has to be made to logic and continuity that said we can all outcompete each other and perhaps i've been trying to do that a bit this episode to see who's the greatest pedant with the least forgiving legalistic mind and we can pick holes in almost any altered physics or diverted chronology but it takes a real suspension of disbelief i think of criticality in general to allow Clara to be bumped off in this manner and not have a problem with it. It's because a spirit said so and it's in the rules and me was cut out of the contract and the death can be cheated in one way but not cheated in this other way that's rubbish to bump someone as significant as clara off you want something that is as close to incontestable as possible that the audience cannot resist and i don't think we got that and then clara's death scene is so well overdone that i'm afraid for me it really does cast an unbearable pall over the rest of what had been up until but a few minutes earlier a fine episode and that pull, that unwanted tug down into negativity then reminds me that for the first half series, Clara was this weird mystery impossible girl. For the second series, she did almost nothing but lie to people constantly. And in this series, she's been given a reckless characteristic, which combined with her control freakery has led me to this. Clara, you can look back on Clara as a collection of flaws that are just, which floor is it going to be this week? She did so much more than that, but she definitely had that to her. And I bring it up because the acme of adulation this episode reaches, the three shots, the Christ pose, all of that, it doesn't tally for me with who we've had to this point. And that that is sad. I would like it to work, but for me it doesn't. It doesn't thrill me to give this a much lower rating than Jim. Um, Let me talk about some good points. The thought of peering hard at an uncanniness in the wall and finding a whole lost London street behind it is so wonderfully romantic for me that I I do like this episode to a degree. But the prize isn't the architecture, it's who's to be found within it. And in this trap street, we get glimpses of a dozen different species, but nothing really individual to any of them. Anarsen is defined entirely by her powers. Even Maya Me is a weird Manichaean shadow of herself, much less interesting than a shielder in her first episode, and well, much less interesting shall we say than the girl who died or the woman who lived. And Mm -hmm. she's either wielding absolute power or proving utterly helpless. And I feel like itemizing her inconsistencies could be the subject of a whole other review. I was going to talk about good things. Jenna Coleman, she does very well. Even when the scene is caked with camembert, she delivers. (laughs) She really does. And that, in the end, the death is cheated and cheapens everything we've just seen. That's still great because there is value to this, despite all of that. And that comes from her. In part. But the saving grace of this episode is peter dugan capaldi not the 12th doctor the actor he makes the previously irritating cue cards poignant he gives us volcanic ruptures worthy of vesuvius which first frowned him this face he throws looks at clara in her departure scene which i've never ever seen on another actor's face which are alien to my eyes but which i recognize as having felt on my own in times of intense grief he is an amazing actor where is this man's BAFTA I went looking to see if he'd won any awards Has he not got as doctor. One? in 2016 he was nominated as the doctor for a Scottish BAFTA which I didn't even know was a thing and he didn't even win that what it's what? outrageous. This he's won is BAFTA's... highway robbery. I know. He's won BAFTAs as Malcolm Tucker, and he made a short film in the 90s, which he also won. I think he may have even won an Oscar for that. Um, but he didn't win anything for The Twelfth Doctor. It is appalling. He's so good, and he's got so much in reserve. And, I mean, if I was Moffat and had his sadistic streak, I'd be like, Peter, give me more. Because he can. He can keep giving you more. It's, it's amazing. Mm. So let me wrap this up. Clara's death scene is is the big minus. The Doctor intimates in it that he's not more special than her. Shouldn't happen. I get that she's... You know, the most important companion perhaps in the history of the show, but it still shouldn't happen. And for everything I've criticized, that shaves off one point five for me. So an episode with a great setup, a potential three point eight becomes a two point three.
1: Whoa. Oh, all right. <laughs> that is a fantastic mini.
2: Well, it's not a mini, it's it's a catalogue. I'm sorry it went
1: on quite so far. <laughs> it's 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 a very good maxi. <laughs> it don't necessarily agree with you numerically, but yes, very good points. Okay. You guys have already checked all the boxes really Um, mostly (laughs) jim i'll start start off by saying oh what a companion exit like we said before, in the classic channel, we we just reviewed Warrior's Gate, and that also featured the, the departure of a very beloved companion, Romana. Romana 2, specifically. But a holy moly, you guys, this one took my breath away. I was I was mostly angry after Warrior's Gate, but I was in literal, literal tears at the end of this one. <laughs> it starts off a little meh, then turns absolutely brilliant, then goes very kitsch, very quickly for me. But then you know what? Doc and Clara and their their shtick of solving a mystery together completely rescues the whole kid and capoodle and and reminds you just how wonderful a pair they are before this episode cruelly whisks her away from you and kicks your heart right in the balls. When this one (laughs) ended, I... Desperate! Oh, I, I can I don't even know how to quantify this. I desperately wanted Capaldi to forget about his promise to Clara, and I really, really wish that he would just go on a rampage. Both because Ishilda deserves every ounce of shit and wrath and terror he has to throw her way, but also because, oh my goodness, Capaldi, so big. Uh, there are. <laughs> <laughs> There are moments when I forget about Matt Smith, and I think perhaps, just perhaps, Capaldi is the best Doctor there ever was, knew who Doctor there ever was, and, and, and him trying to control himself at the end. They, what a tour de force. And by tour, I mean tower, because sweet Buttery Moses, so big. Diagon <laughs> Alley. <laughs> by force, you mean keep it coming. Harder, <laughs> <laughs> Peter. Harder. Diagon Alley felt a little malplusier, perhaps, but it was stylish. And the concept of the Trap Street is really quite compelling. It's another one of these, uh, you know what, uh, 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 there's another element to regular life that you now have to either observe or fear. (laughs) Yeah, I I I love that. The the Janus makeup, it looked straight up ridonk. It was shit. I could make that mask with my ass, but I like the idea. And Shuri from Black Panther is so good. There are lots of twists and turns, including a couple of genuinely daft ones. But I will forgive this episode that. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Riggsie. you know what, Briggsy is written to be a little too pointless for my taste, but hey ho, you know he he does a good job. You, you uh, don't know the name of the actor? Good guy, fantastic, Boyfriend great, Wade. woohoo, whoop whoop. Uh, you know what? If I hadn't just <laughs> listened to your mini Drew, I would say I defy anyone to disagree with me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> for Capaldi, for Clara, and for going out in style. <laughs>
2: Sorry, he's laughing because I physically winced at the word style.
1: <laughs> I am, it's true. <laughs> this is a a rating that is a good few decimal points lower than what I started off with. I'm giving this a four point three. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> I am really banking on Podcastland to <laughs> back me
1: up.
0: Yeah, I, I guess we better go see what Podcastland has to say. Which side do they? fight for
1: It's the moment of truth Listener Minis Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max
2: 250 Or it would get out of hand
0: Well, well, well We have got a rough old handful Possibly if you've lost a finger I haven't actually counted how many we've got We've got some Listener Minis
2: <laughs> Well, 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 well It's four Listener Minis <laughs>
0: And first up, we've got an Alfie, and he's awesome. Woo,
2: woo. Hello, awesome Alfie. Awesome Alfie.
0: <laughs> awesome Alfie says Ah, face the raven. It was not great, but it was kind of enjoyable. I don't like to see that girl from The Woman Who Lived because she is annoying. <laughs> However, it was nice to see an ood with what could possibly be Cyber Brigadier.
1: <gasps> do you think it's? Oh, oh my God! Goodness. Wait, what? Why? Wait, why would it be Cyber? Why is it? Why do you think so? No, awesome, Alfie. No,
0: it can't be. Because he's not like the only survivor
1: no. at the
2: end of series eight. Everyone else has flown into the sun. At Does Danny he not Pink also explode?
1: Hest. Oh my! Yeah, awesome, Alfie. You are you are exploding my heart right now. <laughs>
2: Now there's a retro rewrite of the week. (laughs) It was kind of sad to see Clara die, but she still takes the long way around, which will make sense by the end of the season. Ooh! And Awesome Alfie gives it a three. From the raven-looking, sorry, couldn't think of anything good, Awesome
1: Alfie. (laughs) Good enough. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much, Awesome Alfie.
0: Thank you, Alfie. Nice one, Alfie. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Ed Such. Such a nice guy. Oh,
1: isn't he just? <laughs> Hello, Ed. Ed stars. Hey, who back when? Long time no review. Well, indeed. Nice to see you again. I really like this one, he says. I liked Rigsy in Flatline, and having him back feels quite organic, and me slash Shielder is much better here than she is in The Woman Who Lived. I really like the idea of the Trap Street sheltering alien fugitives and love the moments where the aliens briefly show their faces. It's a wonderful reminder of the wider universe of Doctor Who.
0: My main praise has to go to one scene though, says Ed, and that is the scene with the Doctor, Clara, Riggsy, and Ashilda, where the Doctor and Ashilda discover that Clara now has the chrono look rather than Riggsy. Everybody is on their A-game here, but especially Capaldi, as he processes the fact that there's nothing they can do to stop Clara's death. This leads to one of the few moments I've ever been afraid of the Doctor. Doctor is no longer here. You are stuck with me.
2: And Ed Such summarises by saying we were so lucky to have Capaldi play the Doctor. One thousand percent, Ed Such. <laughs> My goodness. Can't summarise it better than that. But Ed also gives it a rating of 4.5 Ravens of Death out of five.
1: 4. Neatly dissecting 5. Leon and Jim. mm Mm. Oh! Mm. Oh! Fantastic stuff! Holy moly! Ed
2: also hopes we're all well and keeping safe because, as we've said, he is such a nice guy. <laughs>
1: Right back at you, Ed. Can people follow Ed on Twitter or, you know, read his uh, his thoughts online?
0: Why, it's so nice of you to ask, because of course they can. They can find Ed at Ed Such. And they should definitely um, also check out...
1: His DW Imposs blog. That's right, the Impossible blog. Awesome stuff. Please do. Tell them hi from Thank us.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Ed.
1: Thank you very much, Ed. Mm-mm.
0: Excellent rings. <laughs> Excellent Next up Will he agree with Drew won't he It's Michael Ridgeway Ridgeway. 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 Ridgeway.
1: (laughs) Hello Michael Michael starts with a long List of likes Really Yeah first like A sneaky hidden street And alien refugee camp Full of potential which Misfires spectacularly this does not sound like a like to me, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. In fact, end
0: of list of likes. <laughs> yeah. It segues nicely into the list of Oops.
2: oh Leon, you did a misdirection field on me. <laughs>
0: First up being, I get that an ood, a persecuted race, might be a refugee, but what the blazers is a Cyberman and Sontaran doing there? <laughs> Do you think Cybermen fear a merciful death? Um, no. They don't have friggin' emotions. <laughs> I hate to go all daily mail, but on what grounds would a Cyberman and Sontaran ever be granted a <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: God, oh my
0: goodness. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Michael's next <laughs> is Interesting that the street has an extra layer Of security making everyone look human But why doesn't it work Properly why doesn't it even remotely Work on the two headed aliens <laughs>
1: Very good point. Alright next boof <laughs> The Dickensian street and Alien street hawkers Look really cheap Maybe they blew the budget on having the Awesome Maisie Williams which would be Great if <laughs>
0: That character wasn't so irritating. (laughs) Who's a shielder? For God's sake.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Next, why didn't a shielder just use her heavies to stick the teleporter on the doctor? Why the dumb plan faking someone's death?
1: Oh, that is such a good point. (laughs) This could have been a maybe 12-minute episode.
2: Oh, yeah, because he's rooted to the floor. Yes. can't possibly
1: escape. Exactly. Oh, that is such a good point. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next. On the subject of stupid plans, Clara's death. So pointless. Her harebrained scheme to transfer the tattoo to... Quote, By some time. By what time? It's the same countdown. Clara sacrificing herself for the Doctor would have fit nicely with the impossible girl thingy. But Riggsy, Really? Who? <laughs> We're about to get a companion death in Classic Who of a somewhat more divisive character, but executed poignantly. It's a genuine sacrifice and permanent. Whereas I recall Clara returns as a zombie or something, so even her crap death is completely undermined. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry, Jim. And
2: and after
0: that, (laughs) we get to the last beef. Why does the raven take so long to get to her? It's one crappy street. (laughs) Is it doing a few laps first? For a far more convincing (laughs) raven performance, seek out the stuffed raven in Seventh Dr. Story Ghostlight. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That is true. I made a note that the Raven takes off a full seven minutes early, and every time when Doc and Clara are delivering this great dialogue back and forth, every time there is a slight pause, you hear, (laughs) ah!
1: Just uh, just a of the mood. He's right, trying to so. work up an appetite. I think he's flying around the block. That's clearly what's happening.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because the Raven has a clear hierarchy of which souls are worth building up an appetite for, and that old guy from before. Mm. Yeah, much, much less worthy of it. Anyway, absolutely. That that's the list of beasts done. So Michael follows up with a summary: a carton and forest of the shite. I am so sorry. <laughs> All is forgiven. <laughs> I love you, Clara. You deserve better. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't haven't scrolled down. You need to deliver this to me.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, don't scroll down. Don't scroll down. (laughs) And Michael gives this a rating of 0.5 out of 5 Cybermen (laughs) and Suntarans taking advantage of the UK asylum system.
0: (laughs) Wow, Michael. (laughs) Holy moly. Michael,
2: more than ever. Love you, Michael. (laughs) So (laughs) so big. (laughs) I'm not afraid to say it. In fact, that's, what, that's why I don't understand why the Doctor and Clara can't say it. I say it to Michael every week. <laughs>
0: oh. JD and Turk. There's some fair points there, Michael. Don't agree with the rating, I have to say. Mm. <laughs> but thank you very much. <laughs> oh, So, so much. And if you agreed with Michael or didn't agree with Michael, just want to follow him online, you can, of course, go to the Twitter universe and type in at bad underscore movie
2: underscore
0: club so big
2: gigantic.
0: right then that leaves us with eddie Rock.
1: <laughs> oh, what up eddie <laughs> it's eddie rock <laughs> hey, eddie. <laughs> hey eddie
0: hey who back when intro's eddie this episode has managed to course correct from that last train wreck of an experience with a fantastic installment. Local knowledge blacks out and wakes up with a neck tattoo. Something we can all relate to. <laughs> Except this one happens to be Drew's favourite trope of a
2: counter. Yes! Dimensionity oh. rock!
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it! Tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: This one is full of returns, including Rigzy, me, and the Doctor's emotional support note cards, hmm. not to mention a slew of past baddies. However, Clara's recklessness has finally caught up with her. Quote the Raven
2: Clara is more. <laughs> Listen to Who Back When's audio Who review of Nevermore.
1: Yes, indeed, do. <laughs>
2: The bonus, Vincent prize. (laughs) Coleman gives a stellar performance in what is ultimately her swan song. Is it? All season, she has been teetering on the edge of being too clever for her own good. And this time, it finally comes back to bite her. She learns the hard lesson that as much as she wishes she could be the man she idolises, she isn't. And it costs her her life. Capaldi is brilliant when faced with the death of a beloved companion and produces a heart-wrenching and threatening performance.
1: The mystery aspect of the episode is well done, as is the concept of an alien refugee trap street. The Doctor even manages to lose to his foe as he's teleported away following losing his closest ally. All this adds up to an emotional and gritty episode that left many fans shocked and intrigued. Overall, says Eddie, I give this episode a 4.2 out of 5 creepy two-faced alien creatures. See you next time! Till then, rock on. mm You rock on Eddie Rock You rock on because you rock
2: Don't worry, Eddie Rock knows No other way to be
1: (laughs) (laughs) I bet he's rocking right now I bet the neighbours are fed up of it The pounding on the wall, <laughs> like "keep it down, Eddie." <laughs> and the faster they
2: pound, the faster he solos in time with the beat.
1: <laughs> and the faster he solos, the more compelled they are to pound. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you live next to Eddie,
2: <laughs> driving house prices up wherever he goes. <laughs>
0: If you would like to follow Eddie online, mm-hmm. you can go to Twitter and follow him at the Eddie Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Cause there can be
1: only one. <laughs> thank you very well, much a Eddie. second
2: hasn't written in yet.
1: <laughs> That's right. There's no at the other Eddie Rock. <laughs> and if there There's is wanna be don't Rock. follow them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Second best.
1: So thanks Eddie and thank you, Podcast Land. Yes, yeah, thank you.
0: Everyone. All yeah, that was a stuff. fine
2: thumbless hand of reviews, even
1: though half <laughs> of them fully disagreed with me.
0: <laughs> true. Well, that wraps up this.
1: What do we got coming up next? It may be a classic who review, in which case it will be the keeper of Trokken. But it may also be an Audio Who review, in which case it would be what's true?
2: Lucy Miller and To the
1: Death. One Audio Who episode, two audiobooks! three (laughs) unprepared (laughs) co-hosts
0: and the next new who review will obviously be heaven sent
2: mm, now that i remember it joy
0: hello yeah um,
2: yeah
1: yeah true and,
0: yeah and between after somewhere there'll be some bonuses dropping with some bloops i'm sure maybe even some short story stuff who knows who knows
2: yeah we're yeah. in talks to develop an adaptation yes indeed we are <laughs> And if you're wondering how Strange Readings is coming along, we're second drafting that stuff, and it's getting better. And yeah, it is. Out it's some getting...
1: characters. Oh, holy moly. <laughs> we just did, that's true. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that we are, at the time this episode drops, we are about halfway through the second draft.
2: Yeah, oh. and gets better every week.
1: Oh, holy moly, yeah, yeah. So uh, keep your ears
0: popped. <laughs> so until then, if you want to keep up to date with us, you can find us on those Tweety Bloops, I believe. Where the hell can they find you, Mr. Drew? Why, they can find me at Drew Back When. Love Excellent branding. branding.
1: Mm. Oh, thanks, guys. My goodness, that branding <laughs> is so big. <laughs>
2: Try telling that to my follow account
1: (laughs) Where can I find a body pillow Shaped like your branding
0: (laughs) Somewhere on Redbubble (laughs) (laughs) I'll add it And um, they can find me at Jimmy the Who, um, Sammy, good branding. And where can they find you, Mr. Leo? Uh,
1: you can find me at <laughs> Ponken. That's right. Yes, P O N K N. Follow me and ask me if I'm about to change my branding. I dare yes. you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's a really fun thing to do on a rainy Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, fireworks are exploding outside my window, so it must be time to sign off. <laughs> one, o'clock, <laughs> one o'clock in the morning. Standard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just another night in Berlin.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. until the next time, stay safe, look after yourselves, and see ya.
1: Yeah, rock on. Please, please, don't stop wearing masks just yet. Uh, be right next to each other, and ciao ciao. Bye-bye Other.
2: Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode.
1: Until then, cha chao. Who back when?